Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On this episode, we're really excited to be talking to Alistair Roberts. Alistair is the MD and sole proprietor of Alistair James Insurance Brokers and has been running for three years. Alistair has some fabulous advice for people thinking about starting up on their own, what his journey was and what his top tips are. Welcome, Alistair. Good afternoon, Alistair. Thank you very much for joining us on the Insurance Broker Podcast. I'm really grateful to have you here. Thank you, Sarah. So we've obviously had a few chats offline, and I think your career history and your background is incredibly interesting, but also really quite pertinent probably to a lot of people listening because your background is very interesting. And I think if people are ta- making the, uh, the jump or thinking about making the jump at the moment from employed to starting your own business, then this would be really interesting for them to listen to. So I wonder if you could give us a bit of a, an overview of where you are now, how you came to be here and what scary decisions you made along the way. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I've been in insurance now for just over 20 years, having left school after doing A-levels, like I think a lot of people in my industry tend to do. A lot of people sort of fall into insurance, I would say, rather than (laughs) being a uh, first choice career. But yeah, so I've got a varied background in terms of broking and underwriting. Worked for brokers for a number of years and then moved into underwriting, worked for a large insurer down in Bristol and then more latterly uh, for an MGA. I started doing my insurance exams after a few years when I kind of realised that this was going to be my career, so I might as well try and do, make the best of it and give me the best sort of possibility. So I did um, the ACII and then became chartered, and um, I think that's been helpful for me, certainly doing what I do now. But I got to a point where, certainly working for an underwriter, you can see a lot of what brokers do, some good and some bad, and it started giving me ideas about wanting to do it myself, and eventually took the leap three years ago to set up as an appointed representative of 10 Insurance. So one of the things that I found really interesting about your background is you weren't uh, in the the sort of account exec role, so you didn't have a book of business to to bring over. You started literally from scratch because your background, you came from an underwriting role. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I think traditionally, if people do what I do, like you rightly say, they they start off as an account exec or they are an account exec of a, of a broker and they have a, a book of business, their clients that maybe they can take with them obviously they'll have a, a covenant for maybe let's say a year but they'll work their covenant and then after that time bring their clients across so it's I guess you've got a bit of a, a safety net if like when you're doing what I do that you are going to have that so it, it was really a leap of faith having come from an underwriting and having zero clients and no income and knowing that there would be zero income to sort of day one with a blank a blank page and, and just just going for it really but I think that it's a real motivation for you because it's quite scary, really. So that's a real, um, a real big motivation to know that you've got you've got no leads. You know, it's it's down to you to to bring the business in. So um, it was scary, but it was it was exciting as well. If you could go back and speak to yourself three and a half years ago, what would you say? 
I don't think I'd say anything differently, really. I kind of think I think I knew what the. I mean, it's easy with hindsight to say do this and do that because you know what works and what doesn't. But in terms of my mindset, I think if anything, I'd say you've got to be even more not aggressive. That's not the right word, but even more. No one's going to give you anything. You've got to you've got to work hard for it and um, focus. Focus, yeah. And a lot of what I've done as well, I've learned a lot in the last three years about business and particularly about sales and marketing. And that's been the biggest thing I think I've learned in terms of, as I said, I've done my exams. I was always confident that when I was speaking to clients that I was giving them good information and I was giving them a good service. But when you set up as your own and you set up your own business, you're not just an account exec. You're, you're a, you have to do marketing, you have to do accounts, chasing premiums, admin, is everything. I think that's probably the thing that um, has been the biggest eye-opener, I would say, in terms of, of doing what I'm doing. That it's not just the insurance, yeah. What would your, because um, I, I um, also, having run my own business, obviously Boston Tullis is, is ours and, and I've run a number of other businesses still running a couple as, as we speak and I am learning something new every single day in respect of business, objective, strategy, marketing, sales and it's, I find it really interesting. What's been the highlight of your new knowledge for you? What what would you say to somebody who's thinking about starting to go and focus on to learn about? I would say definitely the marketing side, and in terms of there's so much out there on on YouTube and, and on social media and and books, you know, things that I didn't even know existed. And I mean, marketing, as you know, is is, is that's a whole the area itself so there's so much to explore I would just say to explore all avenues in terms of you know when you do your business plan you'll have your where you think you can get generate your most business your most leads but I would say keep your mind open to anything any opportunities listen to what people have done and what they say because I think there's so many different ways that you can attract clients there's, they all have different problems that they want to overcome so I think it's just trying to find out and which medium attracts each different it's a different client or potential client so I think it's just keeping your mind open to different sources and mediums that are out there yeah I think that's um, really good advice and obviously from a marketing background I second what you say what I think is um, interesting is when you said you've sort of most of your learning's been in like the business sales marketing all of the hats you have to wear when you are uh, in the small to medium business size category so one of the things that we do with a lot of people and I, I know we've talked about off air is joining the dots between all of those different processes and not just joining the dots, but joining the dots to divert, to move towards a particular objective. So that objective setting, strategizing, and then putting it all in place is quite important, but is quite difficult to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's very easy. And I think you do need guidance because you can't just dip your toe in and try little, you've got to have, like you say, an objective that you're working towards or a target. I think just half-heartedly trying something doesn't really work so I think absolutely you, you know and it's all got to you know you've got to know who your target client is you've got to know who that is otherwise if you don't know who that is how can you really target you know or, or pinpoint your marketing campaign so I think that's that's really important know who you want to target why you want to target them what you can offer them how you can help them 
and then that I think then gives you your a really good platform for your for your marketing then absolutely again completely agree with that what about you in terms of your process planning objective setting are you do you have a business plan do you do a three to five year kind of overall objective planning how do you how do you work that and what do you see happening for you for your business in the next three to five years including COVID (laughs) Um, yeah so of course yeah I have my business plan when I first was looking to set up which, which you know you'd expect to have to do and that's something that you know I'm, I'm always certainly the figures I'm always looking at each year seeing looking at the, the business that I've earned during the year where that's come from and then for the future see so like you say three years and five years what those figures are going to look like um, yeah and obviously I target myself just like any business deal I have my monthly targets that I aim to achieve but yeah every year that the plans adjusted I might do and it's quite interesting actually looking back at my business plan from 2017 if I refer back to it now sort of three years later it's quite funny some areas that I thought I'd be really focused on and and expected to have a lot of income from perhaps being less so and then other areas which I thought might be incidental have been you know really good revenue uh, driven areas so it's it's definitely something that you need to review uh, regularly because and like you say with COVID the, the environment's is constantly changing so um, yeah you can't just work from month to month and just hope that business is going to happen and business is going to come in you've got to I think you've got to constantly look at it and and evaluate and change and adjust as, as you need to and like you say for COVID that's just something at the, at the end of last year when you're looking at a year ahead you know nobody would have would have foreseen or planned for so I'm not saying that you can you know, when you do your business plans, you've got to go into that sort of detail and think what, you know, what happens if a, something like that happens. But um, yeah, you just don't know. And again, I'm evaluating and looking at my business model in, in terms of how I interact with clients. So again, that's changing another aspect of the business as well. There's um, a couple of things that um, have sprung to mind just listening to you there. Really interesting. So I don't know if you've heard of Stephen Covey but I've read a couple of his books and one of his mantras is start with the end in mind, which I think is quite a powerful saying if, you, if you're thinking through on a business objective. So talk to me about your reason for going AR uh, rather than directly authorized from the offset. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's quite funny. Cause, yeah, I, I kind of always thought longer term that maybe the sort of directly authorized route would be perhaps what I wanted to do. Just I, I, I guess that was just perhaps brokers I'd worked for or I don't know, a sense of tradition. There's nothing, nothing more than that. But having sort of explored it further, the AR model is, is a brilliant model, certainly for if you're if you're starting out in the early days. Obviously to be directly authorized by the FCA, it's quite a can be quite a long process. It's quite a lot of red tape as you'd expect in terms of you know the compliance side of things and um but I wanted just to hit the ground running, really. I, I knew what I wanted to do. And um, the thought of waiting maybe nine months to a year, for example, didn't really appeal to me. So um, I spoke with 10 and they were really supportive. You know, they look after the compliance side really well, um, which means that I can just focus on going out and winning business and not worrying that, you know, oh my God, what if I do a big breach of the FCA or do something I shouldn't because they're monitoring you know, the work that I do so they can make sure that I'm compliant. So, I, yeah, it's a really good model if, you, if you're setting it. And also, I didn't have, you know, there's no sort of investors or I haven't got sort of deep pockets that I could, um, 
rely on in terms of that way perhaps waiting period when you wait to be directly authorized so it means you can it's a very quick process really and you can just um you become an ar do all your checks through um the principle and then you can hit the ground and start start trading do you think in in the future your long-term planning might be as you grow to to look at direct authorization or not in any immediate plans no, not in any immediate plans. Like I said, when I first started out, I was I was very much like, "Yep, this is what I want to do. This is how I'll you know I'll do it." And uh, but it works really well for me. And you know, as as the as the business grows and and you know to the point where you look, take on staff, and I think again, it's something that in itself is being you know another thing that you need to worry about in terms of employing the right people and making sure they're happy mm. and they're growing the business how you know in how the sort of the the culture that you want it to grow in so again it, i think i'd probably leave that stay as an ar because it gives again it's just not another thing to, to worry about in terms of the compliance side of it so yeah it's 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 another safety net really yeah it makes a lot of sense a lot of sense just thinking through covid which i think is going to be here for a little while longer it's opportunity and challenge both sides of the same coin so if you were thinking about making the jump now, as opposed to three years ago, you're obviously quite an entrepreneurial guy. You've got the mindset, the, the open mindset about the direction, changing buying behaviors and how you're going to match the business to the societal changes and all that kind of stuff. So obviously I can see that. What I'm wondering about is what your angle might be now or what you'd be talking to people about who are thinking about doing it because it's a scary time, but also the most opportunity comes out of these type of environments. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say, especially in our industry, I think, you know, at the end of the day, people are always going to need insurance. So it's not, you know, like an industry where perhaps like retail, for example, where, you know, on the high street, shops are seen to be closing all the time. And um, and I think now more than ever, and I think with with insurance, it's, you know, people want good advice. And I think brokers, especially at the moment with the whole, you know, with the FCA test case with the business interruption, there's probably a lot of confusion between with businesses about what they're covered for. It's made them think, actually, am I covered for this? What happens if that happens? So I think there's a lot of, um, there'll be a demand in terms of wanting good advice and to know, actually, if something like this happens again, you know, am I covered or, or what am I covered for? I think it perhaps make people think a bit more carefully. So they might want that trusted advice from somebody. So if somebody was thinking of doing it, I would say, yeah, absolutely. And also the fact people now, I think, are wanting to work from home more. It's opened everybody, everybody's eyes up into how, how you can work from home as well. So I have an office. And I'm, you know, I'm in the office at the moment. How long that will last for, I don't know. But um, because I've got a young family and just working from home, just it's, it's hard with you know, kids around and stuff. But I'm with you on that. <laughs> but I think, you know, you don't need... A great you know a big office and there's not a huge amount of setup costs if you want to do it you can work from home you know home office and and work from there and I think people are much more accepting of it you know I've spoken to clients during this time and you know as we all haven't there's been kids in the background and, and people are just more accepting of it at the moment so yeah I, I absolutely say you know if you think of do it go for it don't worry about oh do I need to have a big office and do I need this do I need that you, you really don't I think as long as at the end of the day, people want your service because you give a good service and good advice. And that, I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. How do you manage your, your mindset? How do you um, manage money 
motivation, mindset, all of the M's can be quite difficult when you're working for yourself. How do you manage? Yeah, I think I'm quite an optimistic person. I'm quite relaxed and quite laid back. I think in in I always have been, and I think um, I try not to get too stressed if things don't go well. But I try not. I don't get too excited when things do go well. I'm kind of um, I kind of just sort of in the middle, really. So um, I think that, that's it, really. And 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 you're right. Sometimes you can get so bogged down and focused on, on your work that it, it does help to chat to somebody just whether it's, you know, partner or somebody you might know in business and just bounce a few ideas off each other because I think just to, you know, they'll say we thought about this or we thought about that or, you know, don't worry about this or it does help to try and talk to somebody. But yeah, in general, I try and, I try and stay positive and I think that helps me. Yeah, just um, don't get too excited, but don't get too down either managing that mindset has been probably one of my biggest learning curves actually over the last five to eight years managing my own reaction to events that I can't control has been interesting yeah and I think try and use things as a as a positive so if something doesn't go well say you were hoping to win a new bit of business that you thought you were going to get and and for whatever reason you didn't use that as I kind of use that as a bit of a, a kick just to try and it sort of motivates you even more to try and win the next one and then equally, when things are good, you, you, you win a, a good bit of business, it really motivates you to, to do it again and gives you the confidence to do it again. Because I think certainly what I did, I think definitely when I started out, you know, you've heard of imposter syndrome and you just think, why are people going to listen to, you know, to me sort of thing, really? So I think in it, that in the early days is a confidence thing when you can start winning cases, use that as um, you sort of gain momentum and um, use it as a positive. Somebody said something to me. It was a client, actually, a week or two ago. And he said, it's 50% knowledge, 50% confidence. Mm. And I think that's true. As long as you are competent in your field, be free and open-minded to try new things. And I, I think that's a really important part of the entrepreneurial journey. And having somebody to be able to bounce these ideas off is, is really helpful. And we, Boston Tullis, moved into an office in September. And just, you know, prior to that, everything's been working from home with with calls or Zoom meetings and that kind of stuff, even prior to COVID. But just having all of us in the office and being able to to bounce your ideas or your your worries when you have a moment where you go, oh, did it? Should I have said this? Is 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 quite helpful, I find. Um, as are, actually, I find the Insurance Broker podcast really interesting for this because I'm talking to lots of different people and getting lots of different input and mindsets and, and thoughts. And I've learned quite a lot through doing them. But also, it's nice to have these kind of conversations. Yeah. And as I said, you know, when we spoke, that's how I, we first started chatting. So I, you know, came across the, the podcast, just sort of searching as you do. And uh, yeah, it's been brilliant for me because, again, it's just hearing other brokers and even if, as I said to you, you know, larger organisations, it's still great hearing how they perhaps target clients and mindset and culture. And um, yeah, it's good just hearing um, a different perspective. And the perspective, you, you're absolutely right, which is why I'm really grateful that you've agreed to do this with me, because your perspective, your journey is quite a unique one in terms of how you came to it, what you're doing and, and, and how you're doing and how well you're doing within it will be real a real boost for other people that are on the cusp wondering whether they should. And so I think it's, it's really powerful. 
Good. Well, I hope so. Uh, but as I say, yeah, definitely, it's been a great journey for me, and I certainly would recommend it to you know to anyone else. It's um, yeah, go for it. What would your top three tips be? Top three tips. My gosh, putting you on the uh, spot now. I know you have definitely, <laughs> definitely stay positive. You'll have days, especially in the early days, when you know the phone doesn't ring and it's quiet and you're sat in the office. So yeah, definitely stay positive. You know, don't worry. Have faith in yourself. Be confident. You're, if, if you do do it, you're obviously doing it for a reason. And if you, you know, if you're an account exec with a client base, those clients obviously like you for a reason. So, you know, have confidence to go for it. And then thirdly, yeah, just try new things. Don't be afraid of, of trying something different. If it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't matter. You can try try something else. You, you, you're better off trying something and it, it not work than think should I have should I have done this and, and never know. Are you quite disciplined in terms of your process and pulling out management information to to look at when you lost a case why you lost it and what you can learn from it when you won a case why you won it what you can learn from it what you could have done better in it do you have processes like that that you keep yourself to or is it less processed orientated Uh, no I think you do need processes I'm not massively you know I'm not hugely like absorbed by the numbers and the statistics I think you know thankfully you know, in terms of lapses, there's not been, you know, there's been a, a few, but not a lot, you know, in terms of the grand scheme of things, but, and none really for any sort of reason that was, that you can really control. So I think I tend to look at the new business side of it and think, and I, you know, we, when we chatted before on one of your, when you did your own interview with yourself in terms of um, <laughs> your podcast, looking at, and it's something, as I said to you, that I really looked at, looking at the best clients and thinking, what is it those clients like about me? Why do they move to me? What do I give them that that made them move to me? And I think that's the, the most important thing because then you can really drill down into what what your you know KPIs are, what makes you unique. And again, it goes back to the marketing thing. Then you can really drill down on that. So I think that's the biggest thing: the new business, looking at where you win business, how you won it. And I think yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I try and pull from it. But I'm not a really I'm not a huge one for statistics and that sort of thing yeah it's quite that might be wrong but no no not at all it's something that I often that we do within Boston Tullis so we're constantly looking at at all that kind of information and we have regular meetings to look at it and you know I struggle to uh, yep I'm still here I'm still listening Uh, it's it's quite difficult Um, on the marketing front you've done a couple of podcasts yourself haven't you do you want to talk us through because that was something that was something you developed during COVID, am I right? Yeah, that's right. So, so the office and uh, is based in Cheltenham in the Cotswolds, and the majority of uh, my clients are based in Cheltenham and the Cotswolds. So, that's in terms of where I position myself as a you know a broker within the, the community, serving local clients. So, I kind of just wanted to act on that. So, the the podcast is called Cotswolds People, and it features uh, interviews with people that you know you may be familiar with so you know the MP for Cheltenham Alex Chalk the principal of the ladies college and a few other people just you know households names but somewhere just hearing their story and again it was just for me a way to try and cement my standing if you like within the within the local area as as an interest point and um, because insurance is one of those things that you know people aren't really interested in you know, their renewal generally comes up and that's the sort of trigger for it. But the rest of the time, they're not really thinking of it. And I always think 
And I am always thinking about, wait, how can you make insurance sort of tangible to make it in people's minds and, and that sort of thing? So it's not, you know, like people have an Instagram account and if they're, I don't know, a gardener, they can put a nice picture of a landscape garden that they've done or if you've got a shop, you know, what stuff that you can send. And it's very visual and you can post regularly. So it was, it was just trying another way of trying to keep in people's minds without just going on about insurance because I, I think people aren't really going to just follow you so much if, they, if you're constantly talking about insurance. So it's just a way just to try and a different angle on things really. I am a huge advocate of the podcast channel, surprisingly, and the way that you can add value to a wider audience during the conversation, but also how you can multipurpose that valuable content very, very effectively is one of the things that we do for people at Boston Tullis, as you know, and we've discussed. So I'm a huge advocate of it and was really impressed when I first saw your your podcasting channel. So go you. I shall, uh, <laughs> I shall subscribe to uh, Cotswolds people, even though I'm not based in the Cotswolds. Maybe no, I'll come visit one day. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I, and aside from the Cotswolds, you don't have to be from the Cotswolds to enjoy it. You know, they're interesting people with interesting stories. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, um, you know, and it's funny, as, as you all know, when you, listen, when you look at the, the numbers and, and people you've downloaded and you look at the, the map, there's people all, all over the world, you know, people in America, and you think, God, how they, have they come across this? But um, they have somehow. So, they have. So, yeah. But it is really interesting looking at that map because I do it regularly, obviously, when I'm looking at the stats for the podcast. Some very strange places to be listening, but great, absolutely great. Hmm. Okay, so... Very, very interesting what you've got to say. And I think what you're doing is amazing. I love the mindset you have around sales and marketing. And I think um, anybody listening would get a lot of value out of your journey. So thank you very much. Are you happy for me to put your contact details on the show notes? Yeah, by all means. Yeah, please do. Wonderful. I shall do that. Well, Alistair, thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed that. Lovely pleasure. Good chatting with you, Sarah. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.